0: You guys ready to go? All right, good to see you. Welcome to Real Men. We are honored to have you if you're a new guy. Hey, and thanks to everybody who's joining us online. It's kind of interesting. There are now churches around the country and world that are showing our time together. Two, four, 700 men every single week gathering just to join us in churches, people joining us all over the world. And in some recent clips from Real Men, online, upwards of 5 million views. Apparently, if you tell a young guy you need a job, he has time, because he's not working. And then he gets triggered, and then he sends it to his friends who have time, because they don't have jobs, and they all get triggered, and they can't believe that we think the men should go to work, and we do, amen? And so, it's really an honor, and what God is doing here is really special, and you guys are having a big impact globally. So we're gonna finish our series today, but before we do, I've got a new sermon series starting this weekend, and then pray. Uh, Tuesday, I'll be at Daily Wire, and then, Wednesday, be back with you guys. And we're going to jump into the life of Elijah. And for men's, so I'm going to do a four week series Passive Men and Controlling Women. We're going to talk about the uh, King Ahab and Jezebel spirit in the past and today. So if you're a passive guy, I know you won't be here, but we'll be praying for you. And, um, and if your wife won't let you come, you should bring her too. Amen? <laughs> So we're gonna deal with uh, controlling women and passive men. It'll be a four part series on the Ahab and Jezebel spirit. But today what we're gonna do, we're gonna finish the spiritual disciplines for regular guys. And we're gonna talk about uh, these two uh, habits in your life, feasting and fasting. So here's what I wanna talk about. Um, All of human history went sideways when our father ate a meal with the devil. Who you eat with is a big deal. Who you celebrate with is a big deal. Who you do life with is a big deal. The best and the worst times of our life are oftentimes with people having a meal. And I, I was thinking about this. My highlight of this last week was a Sunday night dinner. The kids came over and uh, we were hanging out and we all sat around the dining room table and we've sat there so many times as a family. And we just had a meal together and we got to visit and we got to laugh and check in and how are the married kids? And how's the college kids? And how's the high school kid? And what's God, it was just a really beautiful time. One of my favorite things is family dinner. And then we got done and I pulled out my laptop because I've got all these old school videos of when the kids were little and growing up, holidays, vacations, uh, having fun together, messing around, meals in various places. We spent about an hour or two just watching old school kind of, our version of America's Funniest Home videos. And we were laughing so hard, I literally felt sick when we were done. And it just reminded our kids These are all the times we've had together. These are the memories we've made. These were our vacations and our holidays and our meals. And here's the first day of school. And here's when you lost your tooth. And I just like them knowing that we've been having fun and making memories and building connection their entire life. Because sometimes it's really interesting with the kids. A lot of the kids were like, yeah, I don't remember a lot of those things because they were so little. It's like, yeah, but now you know. You've been loved, we had fun, we ate good, we, ha- we made memories, we had good times. And I'll just tell you guys, sometimes as men we get so busy working and doing that we don't have time for stopping and enjoying. And that really is what feasting is about. Think about your best holiday memory. Think about the best meal you've ever had. Think about the greatest concert you've ever been to, the greatest worship experience you've ever had, these sacred moments that you just sort of carry with you. And we'll talk first about feasting and then fasting. So here's the picture of heaven. And let me just say, whoever's doing the advertising for heaven stinks at their job. Uh, You know, how many of you are not excited to be a chubby baby in a diaper, on a cloud, with a harp and wings that are too small for any real distance journeying? Amen? Uh, Here's what heaven will be like. Isaiah 25, six through nine, the Lord of hosts, that's the God who rules over the angels and the demons, will make for all people a what? Feast, how many of you guys like to eat? Amen? All right, okay, of rich food. So this is gonna be real good. Uh, Feast of well-aged wine. This is getting better, right? Guys, this is barbecue and alcohol. Uh, And some of you, like this isn't real Baptist men, by the way. This is just real men. So uh, you've got rich food and really good wine. Not the three buck chuck from... Trader Joe's, not the stuff that's in a box, like the real stuff of rich food, full of marrow, uh, good stuff, aged wine, well refined. He will swallow up death forever. So heaven, we rise from the dead, we get our bodies and we go to a party and the Lord will wipe away all the tears from all their faces. Revelation says that Jesus will do that with nail scarred hands and the reproach of his people will be taken away from all the earth. You won't be ashamed or embarrassed. You'll be delivered and healed for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord that we have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Heaven is a party God throws for his family. You and I are fathers. We get to throw parties for our family to prepare our family for heaven. And and we've had some people, it's been interesting in the history of Trinity. We throw a lot of parties and big events and Ferris wheels. Like when COVID came, we put a Ferris wheel out front. It was like, are they open? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we got a Ferris wheel. There you go, you know? Um, And so, yeah, we're open and we're throwing parties. And even when COVID hit and the world shut shut down, we, we turned the backyard into a water slide park. And kids came to church all week in their swimsuits. And during the summer, you'll see it. We throw parties, man. we've got kids running around their swimsuits, squirt guns, water slide park. We took the foam cannon from the raves. Um, you know the you know, I don't know what it is, I'm 52. I, I don't rave, but you know like uh, you know, in the raves, they have the, the foam cannons for all the drug addicts who hate their father, th- those raves, you know um, we, we, bought, we bought the rave foam cannon, so we put them in the back for the kids' ministry in swimsuit summer. and we had some people leave the church. Um, and we don't miss them, but they left. And, uh, and, and the, point was, the point was they're like, why are we spending so much money on parties? Answer, we're practicing for heaven. When we get to heaven, it just told us, everybody's gonna be happy. Uh, there's gonna be great food, great wine. Everybody's gonna be in a good mood. If heaven is the party that never ends, we should throw parties to practice. We should have good food. We should have barbecues. Uh, we should, you know, at least pray about drinking wine. And, um, and so I wanna give you guys permission to, with your family and with those you love, be generous. You know, somebody, hey, we're going out to a nice dinner. Kids get dessert. Um, kids get all the desserts. Dad, why? We believe in Jesus, you know, and dessert. And so, you know, it, how many of you, don't raise your hand, but you grew up, your dad was just real cheap and he wasn't very fun. And he was always counting the cost, but he was never counting the memories. It's like, well, we could have had fun, but he was too cheap and we could have done that. But you know, it would have been a few extra bucks. And I'm not saying you'd be irresponsible, but be generous and make memories. And my kids are now the age, they're not always around for dinner. We've only got one left under roof. He's a great kid, so we're glad to have him. But I miss the days when all the little kids would sit at the dining room table. I miss the days when we go on vacation and we could all go together. I mean, now they're older and we do spend time together and I love my family, but they're launching and married and they got their own families. They say, you've only got 18 summers with your kids. You've only got 18 Christmases. You've only got 18 Thanksgivings. And then, you know, whatever path they have, you may, may not be together that much. Feasting is where you take time and you say, you know what, I work so hard. I'm gonna take some of the time and money to sit down and enjoy the people that God has entrusted to me. Jesus did this a lot. And I think there's a, there's a lack of understanding of feasting among God's people and celebrating and making memories and being glad and having fun. And I think oftentimes we think too much in terms of that religion is very serious and we should be very serious. But the storyline of the Bible is that God is a father, we're his kids, and when we go to heaven, we have a party that never ends that is hosted and funded by our father. And so we wanna be those kind of fathers. I want you to enjoy your kids. I want your kids to enjoy you. I want you to enjoy your wife. I want your wife to enjoy you. I want you to make memories. I want you to eat dinner together. I want you to have fun. I want you to laugh a lot. And I hope that the environment of your home would be a little bit like that party that never ends in heaven. And ultimately then what it'll do as well, it'll help your kids not to need to rebel, to have a good time. The reason that a lot of kids who grow up in a religious home rebel, they're just so sick of the rules and the seriousness and the religiosity that they go rebel to have fun. Let me tell you, if you are a loving, gracious, generous, fun-planning dad who's present, making memories with your kids, they don't need to rebel. If they wanna have a good time, they can hang out with you. I mean, my kids love hanging out with me because I pay for everything, you know? Um, And that's great, I love seeing them be happy. And my thing is why wait until they die to give their inheritance? I'd like to start to distribute it so that I could watch it. And so when it comes to feasting, Jesus does this a lot. He was Jewish, so he celebrated the Old Testament feast. Uh, What was Jesus' first miracle? It was a wedding at Cana of Galilee. This poor couple, you know, a wedding feast could last upwards of a week. Here they have their wedding feast, they run out of? They run out of wine, it's a big deal. That's a faux pas, that's, that's, that's embarrassing for the family. So Jesus takes these ceremonial wash basins filled with holy water, and he, he turns it into, not just wine, really good wine. Really good wine. You know, like a silver oak Cabernet, like something real good or an opus one, those are just the first two that the Holy Spirit brings to mind. But those are, <laughs> those are really good, those are really good. You know, and he did, now imagine this, imagine you're at a Baptist church and Jesus turns the baptismal into wine. That's the equivalent of, and some of you are like, that would be amazing, yeah. That's what he did. He took ceremonial basins used for religious purposes and he repurposed them for wine for the party. Now, did people get drunk and put a lampshade on their head and have their underwear outside of their pants and wear gals in clear heels? No, it didn't end up like that. It was reasonable, but they had feasting in a holy way. And here's what I'm saying. If the world is going to eat and drink in a way of excess, then it's not that we should not celebrate, but we should find ways to throw parties, make memories, put fun on the calendar in ways that do honor God. A couple other things. Uh, did Jesus ever sit down and eat and drink with sinners and people that had a bad reputation, dudes with neck tattoos and chicks who had an ankle bracelet from their parole officer. Did he have, did he have times with, did he ever eat and drink with those people? He totally did. And the religious people judged him. They said, oh, he's a friend of, of sinners. Well, he still is. That's why he hangs out with me. Amen. I'm glad, he, I'm glad he's a friend of sinners. It's, then we could be friends. Okay, and then the religious people said, well, he's probably an alcoholic and a a glutton. No, he's not. Jesus could eat and drink and he could even eat and drink with sinners without sinning. He never crossed those lines. Jesus ate with his friends, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. He'd go to their house often. These were near and dear friends. And so where do we see Jesus right before he goes to the cross? The Last Supper. What is he doing? He's celebrating the feast. With his friends. He prepares himself for death by breaking bread with his friends. When Jesus taught about the kingdom of God and he would use parables, which are little stories that tell big truths, what he would do, he would oftentimes refer to the kingdom of God, heaven, or eternal state as a party. I think most people going to parties are looking for Jesus. I think everybody who came to town for the Super Bowl is looking for Jesus. I think everybody who came here for the Wasted Management Open, (laughs) I know they call it the Waste Management Open, but if you've seen those people, that's the Wasted Management Open. Everybody who came here for Barrett Jackson, everybody who comes here during the winter time, wanting to go out to a good restaurant or a good meal, where do they come? All across the country, where do people come to? Scottsdale, Arizona, because it's awesome. But what they're looking for is heaven. They're looking for a place where the sun shines, where the food is good, where the people are nice, where there are things to do and memories to make. I'm telling you, you live in a place that is like an internship for heaven. It just is. Everybody who's going out to dinner is looking for Jesus. Everybody going to a concert is looking for Jesus. Everybody who goes to a theme park is looking for Jesus. Everybody who goes out to Old Town on Friday night is looking for Jesus. What are they looking for? A place where they can eat and drink and have relationships and make memories and have a good time. Ultimately, that's the picture of the kingdom of God. Everybody there is happy and everything is wonderful. And then lastly, when Jesus comes back, it tells us that the end of human history is gonna be the wedding supper of the Lamb. Revelation tells us that history ends with two parties. One, where the carrion birds feast upon the flesh of Jesus' enemies. The other, where God sits at his table, all of his children, and we enjoy the wedding supper of the Lamb. History went sideways with a meal, Adam eating with Satan, not with God. History ends with either evildoers being consumed or God's children being served. That's the picture of, of the scriptures. So let me ask you, how's it going in your life at putting fun on the calendar, making memories, holidays, birthdays? This is sacred time, guys. Like uh, yesterday I had lunch with my daughter. She's married, she's doing great, I love her. But it was so nice, I got to sit down, I, I sit down and had di- lunch with my daughter do you know how amazingly sacred that is to me? Um, and then I took her to get Takova uh, Western boots, you know? Uh, and I'm like, this is amazing. I'm with my adult daughter buying her cowboy boots that she's gonna go show her husband. When she was a little girl, every Tuesday, we would do breakfast together. I'd take her out to breakfast. A place called Cranium Cafe. It was this little coffee shop and we would get breakfast and she would drink tea, I would drink coffee, we'd play board games before school. I had an old 1978 Chevy pickup truck called Chuck the Truck. Any of your kids name your vehicles? My wife drove a Suburban called Hank the Tank. So we had Hank the Tank and Chuck the Truck. And in Chuck the Truck, my daughter had a little uh, notepad uh, and she would draw pictures and there was a little art kit as we would go to breakfast every Tuesday. I kept that in there for years, I've still got it all so my daughter's little drawings as she's going to breakfast with her dad. We've been doing meals together since she was a itty bitty little girl. Now she's a grown woman. Those to me are the memories that I will carry the rest of my life. I got lunch today with my son. Try to get lunch with my oldest son on Wednesdays. I just love getting with him, hearing from him. Just connect, how's it going? How can I pray for you? You're gonna be a dad, your wife's pregnant. That's amazing, you know, uh, just connecting. You guys need to know the power of presence. If you're there, it's a big deal because you're a big deal for your wife, for your kids, for your grandkids. If you make them a priority and get them on the calendar, if you sit there and have a meal and make a memory, I'm telling you guys, it's one of the greatest gifts you can give. In addition to feasting, how many of you are pretty good at feasting? You're the barbecue guys, you're the girl master. How many of you, you know, your spiritual gift is takeout, you try your best, you're those guys, right? (laughs) Most guys are better at at feasting than they are at fasting. Let me say one more thing too before I get into fasting. Um, How many of you have been out to dinner recently? Restaurant, okay. How many of you have seen a family sitting down and there's a kid at the table at the restaurant? More than ever, what are you seeing between that child and their parent? A screen, a phone or a pad. I went into a restaurant recently. It just comes to mind. Grace and I walked in. Every single child in the restaurant had a phone or a pad and they were all just playing games. And I thought, gosh, the parents got so close to making a memory Like, but now what we've done, we put the screen between us and the people that we love. And we're this close to connecting. We could look them in the eye, but we're looking at the screen. We could talk to them, but we're listening to the screen. We could enjoy them, but instead we're distracted by the screen. And what we're seeing in our day, people are not having family dinners together. And when they do sit down, everybody brings their technology. At my home, the rule is, and we sit down for dinner, no phones and you turn your phone off. Because at the end of the day, we're not inviting all those people to our dinner. Just because they call, text, email, or post on social media, doesn't mean they get to crash our party. And as the dad, or as the husband, or as the father, as the grandfather, what I'm saying is those sacred times, you have dominion, you have authority, you gotta steward those and say, hey guys, everybody to the dinner table and, and turn your phones off. And here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna hang out and we're gonna visit and we're gonna check in and we're gonna make a memory. And we're gonna have dessert because we believe in Jesus and dessert. Okay, feasting, fasting. Most men are not good at this. Most men they're like fast food, no fasting from food. That's what we're gonna talk about. Here's what I I wanna read a, a situation where Jesus fasts. Jesus was led by the spirit and he was tempted by the devil. Let me say this guys. Sometimes you're like, why is life hard? Why am I being tempted? You may have followed the Holy Spirit into that battle. And after fasting, how long? 40, how many of you guys could not do 40 days? Some of you like, 40 minutes? I'll try, okay? Um, if you're gonna do 40 days, 40 nights, consult a doctor. Um, and then it, here, here's the most interesting thing. He was, yeah. How many of you guys, 40 days, 40 nights? You would be. Hungry. And the tempter, Satan came to him and said, if you are the son of God. Well, he is. The father just spoke over him. At his baptism previously, he said, this is my son. And, and Satan's gonna call into question your identity, gentlemen. He's like, I don't need to show you that I'm the son of God. The father just says, I am. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Could Jesus have turned the stones to bread? Yes. Yeah, if you could turn water into wine, You could do stones to loaves, you can do that, no big deal. It wouldn't have been a sin for him to do that, but it would have been a sin for him to obey the devil. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you, you do one thing, fall down, worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Satan comes to Jesus when he's three things, hungry, isolated, and tired. You need to know, man, that's when Satan's gonna come after you. You're hungry, you're tired, you've not made love to your wife in a while, you're on the road, you've not slept enough, you've not had enough to eat, you've not, you've not had enough hydration, you're, you're, you're depleted, you're hungry, you're isolated, nobody's around. Nobody sees, no accountability, anonymity, and tired, just tired. You're just, your will to fight is depleted. Jesus is hungry, he's isolated, and after 40 days of fasting, he's tired. Satan is gonna hit you when you're hungry, isolated, and tired. And what he tells him is, uh, turn the stones into bread. Jesus says no. And then he takes him up and he shows him every, some of the other translations or some of the other occasions where this is reported, make it a bit clearer. He sees every temptation on the earth at once. So each one of you men, just be honest with yourself for a moment, quietly. What would be the thing that you know, that's my kryptonite? Like, I got to avoid that. Like if I get near alcohol, I, 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 that's not good. If I get near prescription drugs, I'm in real trouble. If I don't watch where I'm surfing on the internet, I always end up in the naughty spot. I gotta be careful with that. How many of you, it's, you know, I can't gamble because once I start gambling, we lose our mortgage. You know, it's not good. Each one of us has got an area where we're more vulnerable. Okay. Jesus got shown in an instant, all of it. And guess what he got offered? All of it. Satan said, you know what? I rule this world. Now God rules over this world, but Satan is the God of this age. And he's like, all the sex you want, all the food you want, all the alcohol you want, all the power you want, all the drugs you want, everything you want, I'll give it all to you. How many of us in that moment, we'd have been in trouble? We would have been in trouble. And what he says is, no, I'm gonna worship God alone. The decisions you make about the things you consume are worship decisions. What you eat is a worship decision. What you drink is a worship decision. Who you sleep with is a worship decision. We worship our way into trouble by worshiping someone or something other than God. We worship our way out of trouble by worshiping God. And so what Jesus is doing for 40 days, what is he doing? He's fasting. And then what happens is Satan tempts him and he needs to fast from everything. The reason why it is so tempting for us is on the front of your brain, when you experience pleasure, there's a dopamine hit. And that dopamine hit is powerful and your body is just conditioned by it. And some of you know, man, as soon as I get alcohol, I get the dopamine hit. As soon as I eat a lot of junk food, I get the dopamine hit. As soon as I get a lot of coffee and caffeine, energy drink, I get the dopamine hit. As soon as I sleep with somebody and have an orgasm, I get the dopamine hit. As soon as I'm looking at pornography, I get the dopamine hit. As soon as I do risky behavior, I get the dopamine hit. How many of you know guys that have killed themselves for dopamine hits? That's how powerful that is. It's not a bad thing. It's something that God put hardwired in us for pleasure and joy. But the problem is it can lead us into addiction and a lack of self-control. And so what fasting is, fasting is where you say, that's not a bad thing, but it's something that could rule over me and I need to exercise my dominion over it. So let me explain it to you in this way. Jesus Christ is the Lord over all of your life. He has given you dominion over every aspect of your life. And in your life, you can't have any area that you surrender to the flesh. If you surrender your sexuality to the flesh, you're gonna live for the dopamine hit until you self-destruct. If you surrender your alcohol consumption to the flesh, you will live for the dopamine hit until you self-destruct. Whatever is the pleasure for you becomes the problem for you. And so what fasting is, fasting is the way of maintaining dominion and self-control. Okay? Sometimes guys need to fast for a season. Some guys need to fast for a lifetime. So, like if you're an alcoholic uh, in your past, insofar as your behavior goes, for you, if you're a guy who really has had a long-standing alcohol addiction, can you have one drink and practice self-control? No. So, guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna fast from alcohol for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. I know guys that have been addicted to prescription pain medication. They got to go in for a genuine medical procedure. And they're like, I got to figure out another way to manage this pain. Because you know, prescription medication coming out of surgery is not a sin. But for me, if I get started, I don't stop. They can't make enough of those pills. So I've got to maintain some fasting and some self-control. Most men don't talk about their struggles, but let me tell you this, We've all got them. And was Jesus tempted? Yes. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. There's a difference, men, between sin and temptation. Temptation is, oh, I'm fighting to do that. I don't wanna do that. Sin is, I'm doing it. And what Satan will do, he'll lie to you and he'll tell you if you're being tempted, you've already sinned, so just surrender and go all the way. If you're tempted, but in the fight, you are worshiping and you are winning. And for every man, there is a secret battle that every man has. For some it's porn, some it's sex, uh, some it's alcohol, some it's drugs, some it's food, some it's power, some it's money, whatever it is, we've all got our thing. Let me ask you this. if Jesus was tempted, are you gonna be tempted? Yeah. So that must mean it's, if it's a normal part of Christ's life, it's a normal part of the Christian life. If Satan was tempting him, he's gonna tempt you. Now Jesus said no, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can say no. But let me ask this uh, honest question when it comes to fasting. And what fasting is, it's saying, you know what, I'm not going to participate in that either for a season or forever. That's between you and the Lord and your conscience. And sometimes it's not even a bad thing, but it's a good thing that becomes a God thing. And that makes it a bad thing. Like, you know, food is good, but it's a bad God. Uh, Having a glass, you know, of wine is not a sin, but being an alcoholic, that's a problem. Let's just be honest. What would be some things that would be good for men to learn to fast from? Take a break from, not sinful things, just things. Eating garbage. Do you guys know that the reason that fast food is so addictive, it literally creates a dopamine hit in the brain and the fast food industry has found a way to create your body an addiction cycle toward garbage food that lacks nutrition. And as soon as you eat it, you sort of feel euphoric. And then a little bit later, you feel a little lethargic and then you're hungry pretty quickly. And so the whole incidence of childhood obesity and adult obesity is largely driven by sugary drinks and fast food and snacks. And if a guy has self-control, he's like, okay, I'm gonna take 30 days and I'm not gonna eat garbage. I'm gonna try and eat clean for 30 days. You know what happens to his body? It heals. And you know what happens to his palate? It changes. How do I know? I'll give you guys a story. Somebody mentioned McDonald's. I, I used to eat McDonald's a lot as a kid. We were poor and things were a buck. So I thought it was a good deal. And then, I fat, and then I, I, as I got older, and let me just tell you this, as you get older, your metabolism changes, right? right? <laughs> How many, right? How many of you guys are like, I miss seeing my feet. Yeah, your metabolism changes. And so what happens is I got older and I, I wasn't feeling good and I wasn't eating good. And I just kind of felt lethargic and sick. And I just felt like I was poisoning my body. And so I decided I'm gonna take a fast from fast food, including McDonald's. And so I went a long time, like six months or something. A long time for me. I had a Big Mac, I got home, and I threw it up. I'm a grown man. The last thing I wanna do is throw up. And the last, last thing I wanna do is throw up a Big Mac because the cheese isn't even on the periodic chart. You know, That's not even cheese, that's American American cheese. That's not even on the chart. That's the stuff you fill the tile in your bathroom with. You know, like that's that's spackle. My body, as soon as I ate something that I've been eating my whole life, it literally rejected it once it got healthy. Other things that would be good for men to fast from. Social media. social media. Is social media the Big Mac of the internet? Yes. Here's how social media works. The nicer people are on Instagram. The older people who you know, don't have the energy to fight are on Facebook. Uh, all the weird kids who like to dance are on TikTok and the angry old men are on Twitter. And so that's the bottom of the septic tank of the internet. That's where the heaviest turds flow to, is to Twitter. And so if you spend a lot of time on Twitter, can you be a healthy human being? No, you can't. You're like, chubby bunny, one, two, three, I'm talking about your mom. You know, you're like, I probably should go do something else. You know, I should, at this point, I should go eat a Big Mac. That'd be a better use of my time. How many of you, it would be good just to take a fast from technology just like, you know what? I'm just not gonna turn my phone on. It's my, it's my day off. My day off, I'm fasting from technology. I'm fasting from social media. I'm fasting from the internet. Other things would be good. And let me say this too. If you can't stop something, it's probably a problem. Right? like don't fast from air. You know, keep breathing. But like, if you can't, if you can't turn your phone off, you got a problem. If you have to have a drink every day, you got a problem. If you're not healthy and putting on weight and you just keep eating, you got a problem. Other things that would be good for men to fast from. Take a break from. Work. Work. How many guys work themselves until they break themselves? What you'll notice is a lot of the spiritual disciplines are various kinds of fasting. Sabbath is fasting from work. It's fasting from work. How many guys, it's like, you know what? I need to fast from work one day a week. I just need to take a break and get dominion over my schedule. What else would be helpful for men to consider fasting from? Television, how many of us spend how many hours just looking at a screen? And it's just, and I don't know if you guys know this, there's no, I mean, other than Yellowstone, there's nothing on television. Like I I can't watch another gay guy decorate a house. Like I'm out, I'm out. That's all that it is. I probably just got kicked off TikTok. You know, uh, and okay, what else would be good for men to fast from? Copenhagen, let's vote on that. Thumbs up, thumbs down. (laughs) Like, let me just say, your wife wants you to dip less. I'm just telling you that. And if you're like, I'm single, I'll tell you why, okay? Uh, (laughs) Copenhagen to a 20 year old girl is birth control. She ain't coming near you, man. You're gonna be single the rest of your life. Is it a sin to have Copenhagen? No, but can it be a problem? Yeah. Have you seen guys to where, man, they're actually like rotting their jaw out rather than just taking a break. And the difference is, are you controlling it or does it control you? And if it's controlling you, you need to fast from it to get dominion over it so you control it. Anything else you guys would add to the list? It's a pretty good list. Sports, watching sports, betting on sports. For some guys, Sports really is such a massive distraction that it can take such a large percentage of their life. And have you noticed how they put together the seasons? Right, There's one season and then the next season starts before the other season is over so that you are addicted to sports all year. And I love college football. I kind of like pro football, but I'm in Arizona. So you know, it's, the last will be first. In heaven, the Cardinals are gonna be awesome. So. Uh, I kind of like basketball. I used to like baseball. Um, you know, I like sports, I love sports, but how many of us can end up getting to the point where between, you know, let's say, uh, let's say there's a college football season, it bleeds into an NFL football season. And then there is uh MMA that's going on all the time. I mean, you can get to the point as a man where you're taking most of your disposable time, that's going to sports. And you know, I noticed that Americans have a problem because during the COVID, you remember the COVID? I turned on ESPN and it was dudes in masks playing cornhole and we televised it. I was like, we officially have nothing happening in America and people really miss sports. When some dude with a bag and a mask, people are like, that's what I'm doing all day. That just shows you that people probably need a break from sports. Anything else you guys to take a break from? Politics. Politics. The news. News is a four letter word, by the way. How many of you, you watch the news and you don't feel better? You're not like, oh, I was really sad. And then I watched the news and now, woo, ready to kill myself, right? It's just, because all they tell us is bad news. Some of you need a break from the news. Some of you, and let me say this. If you've always got the news on in your home, you're letting that reporter determine the culture of your home. Do you want your kids growing up just listening to the news? I don't, Turn, the, turn it, do something else, right? The point is this, think about things in your life that maybe aren't sinful, but they're out of place and fasting would allow you to get them back into the place that God has for you. Let me close with this, and then we'll let the live stream go and I wanna say a few things to you guys. Um, so every single man has a temptation a struggle, a problem, every single man has got at least one issue that's his fight. We just say that? We just named all these issues. Every one of us, one of these is our fight. And let me just say this, your struggle is not your identity. Jesus just thought of this. You tell me if it's the Holy Spirit. The situation in Matthew four, Satan shows up and he says, if you are God's son. And what Jesus says is, I don't need to prove anything to you. I am his son. You are, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you are a son of God. You are a son of God. So Paul says in Romans, that's what Paul says in Galatians. You are a son of God. You're not an addict, you're a son of God. You're not an alcoholic, you're a son of God. Your identity is not determined by what you do, but by what Jesus has done for you. And and you are a son. Now you have a struggle as a son, but that's not your identity. And I appreciate all of the recovery and addiction efforts to help people get clean but it breaks my heart when somebody belongs to God and they're like, hey, my name's so-and-so and and, uh, I'm an alcoholic. No, you're not. You're a son of God who has a battle with alcohol. You are a son of God that has a battle with pornography. You are a son of God who has a battle with food. You are a son of God who has a battle with gambling. I've got three sons. Now, thank God, they're, they're, they're good men and I'm proud of them, and they're not addicts, but let's say one was an addict. I, if, if you came up and say, hey, who's that? Uh, this, is, uh, this is alcoholic. No, that's my son. God doesn't look at you and say, that, that's my alcoholic. That, that's, my, that's my lost son. That's my addicted son. That's my obese son. When he looks, he says, that's my son. Okay? And because you're a son of God, now you can exercise your dominion that the Father has given you over every aspect of your life. And now when you decide, you know what? I'm gonna turn my phone off rather than leave my phone on. That's an act of worship. When you say, you know what? That is not good food and I am not in good shape. I am going to make some changes. The dietary changes are worship decisions. When you say, you know what, I drink too much and I'm gonna just take 30 days, just not drink, reset my body, see how I feel, see if I have self-control. Every night you choose not to drink, that is a worship decision and it's an act of war and it's a spiritual victory. And what ruins most men is not that things that they hate destroy them, it's that things that they love seduce them. The biggest enemy you have is you. The biggest threat to your well-being is you. I don't think someone's gonna destroy you. I think the odds are, if anyone's gonna destroy you, it's gonna be you. And I love you with all my heart. I'm here every week because you're my priority. And I want us to start to see all of life as worship decisions. I'm gonna worship God, not alcohol, so I'm gonna fast. I'm gonna worship God, not food, so I'm gonna change my diet. I'm gonna worship God instead of the news. So I'm turning it off. I'm gonna worship God instead of technology. So my phone is gonna get turned off. I'm gonna worship God instead of work. So I'm gonna take my day off. And when you get that time and energy and money back, use it to make memories with people you love. Use it to enjoy your life. Use it to practice for the kingdom of God. We'll talk about that in a moment. Let me pray and I'll let you. Father God, thank you so much that you're a good dad. Father, thank you that your kingdom is a party that never ends. It's not a drunk fest. It's not Mardi Gras. It's not New Year's Eve. It's the children of God having a great time because they're loved by their father. And Lord, I pray for these men that first and foremost, that they would know that they are sons and that they are loved. And that whatever struggle they have does not identify who they are. What they struggle with may explain some of what they do, but it does not explain who they are. And Lord God, I pray for these sons as well, that they'd be good husbands and fathers, that they would have dominion over every aspect of their life, that they would practice self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit. And God, I pray that we would enjoy life, that we would eat and drink and laugh and make memories and holidays and family dinners and days off that our wives and kids would be blessed because we are making plans to make joy. And God, I thank you for the good men, the good husbands, the good fathers who are hearing this. They have been generous toward their family. They have led and controlled the environment of their home. And as a result, Lord, everybody there is blessed and there's a lot of good memories that are made and a lot of joy that is shared. And so Lord, just help us as men to be healthy and help us to create healthy environments for women and children in Jesus name, amen. Amen. Pastor Mark here saying thanks for joining me for this special series of talks at Real Men. Uh, If there's anything we can be praying for, any questions you have, send it to hello at realfaith.com. And if you've got a complaint because you're triggered and offended, please send that as well to hello at realfaith.com. We have got a team standing by to delete your comment immediately.